Thank you for tuning in to What's the Wi-Fi Password, an extension of our youth ministry at Calvary Monterey. Here you will find teachings from our Tuesday night studies, as well as conversations about relevant topics for our parents and students. Well guys, turn to James chapter 1. Let's, uh, let's get started with this. So last week we started this awesome, this awesome letter that James writes. Uh, just to kind of recap a little bit, if you remember, we kind of talked about who James is. This guy, the half-brother of Jesus, he grew up with Jesus. I mean, you think you got a hard time with your sibling. Think about growing up with a perfect, literally perfect sibling. I mean, I keep wrapping my head around this. Because um, I know I was a jerk to my brother, and he was a jerk to me. And so I just wonder, like, if one of us was perfect, like, what it would be like. Um, and anyway, so, but James, when he starts this letter, as he writes, he doesn't say, like, oh, James, you know, half-brother of Jesus, the Messiah. But he lays it out, like James, a servant of God. We talked about the Greek meanings of these, and basically he's saying, like, I am a slave to Jesus. Right? I'm a slave to Lord Jesus. I'm a slave to my Messiah. I am, and it's this choosing to be a slave. It's this choosing to live a life under submission and servitude to Jesus. And so he lays it out. We talked a little bit about who James is, uh, who he's writing this letter to. It's the, he talks, he says, the 12 tribes spread abroad. Basically, as the Christian church was growing, it was dispersed. God used persecution in the first century to disperse the Christians. They were just kind of hanging out in Jerusalem. They're like, hey, this is cool. Got a little commune going on. We're all sharing veggies with each other, and everyone's happy and good. And then it's like persecution hit, and they went, they spread, right? Stephen died in Acts. In the book of Acts, I think chapter 7, it describes that. And, and then the, there they went. They dispersed. And so through that dispersion, the James here is showing us that, that I am speaking to Christians, but I'm speaking to Jewish Christians. Uh, his heart was for the, the, the Jewish men and women who accepted Jesus as the Messiah, because really to do that as a Jew basically meant that their whole life would change. They, they would lose businesses, they'd be kicked out of families, completely ostracized. Still today, the true Orthodox Jews, if your mom and dad were, were and you were raised in a true Orthodox Jewish family, when you became a Christian, they would hold a funeral for you. And in a sense of, of, of they're, they're dead to us now because they've given up this religion. And so, and so to the, the Jews, really to accept Christ meant a full surrender of everything. And so because James was, in a sense, the pastor over the Christian church in Jerusalem, his heart was for those Jewish Christians. And, and yet through this book, and hopefully from even last week, through this book, you've came to a place of understanding that James truly wants you and I to understand that this is a practical and healthy and thriving faith, right? Or a living faith. A practical, healthy, and thriving or living faith. And, and that's what James wants us to get to. That this, this faith, as we go through our life, and really as he was speaking to those Jews 2,000 years ago and us today, like as you go through your life, it's not about being this holier-than-thou monk that walks around dressed a certain way and talks a certain way and, and this kind of like, these, these like these and thous and this relig- these religious duties of being a Christian. But the fact is, every one of you are different. Every one of you are called to different things in your life. And you're going to go to different schools, and you're going to move different places, and you're going to marry people and have kids and live a life. And yet in those, in that life that God has kind of like organized for you, and as you trust him through that, he still calls you to be this practical, healthy, thriving Christian. To be like Christ, even in whatever God calls you to. Whether it's into full-time ministry, whether it's into like part-time ministry, whether it's into just being a mom or dad. Right? And just, just taking care and loving your family. In fact, is even within whatever confines, whatever, whatever title you, you, you own in your life, you are still called to be this practical, 
healthy, thriving Christian and to be like Jesus. And so no matter where these Jews ended up in the, in the ancient world, no matter where they were dispersed to, right, whether they were still in Jerusalem or they were dispersed to like, the corners of the world, the corners of the Roman Empire, James wants to call out to them, they're still, like, it's still your priority, it's still your calling to be this Christian and be like Christ. <laughs> what is so funny? Elijah's one of those kids when he smiles like you can't help but smile he just has like he just like I don't know what's up with you man like when you're that little middle school I just liked making you smile because it just made me feel good <laughs> you wear this like hardcore you wear this like hardcore Metallica shirt and you're like just to make you smile is like so awesome dude um, anyway so okay so stop smiling man <laughs> um, and so this is James this is who he's writing to this is what he's encouraging us with So moving on from what we taught on last week, uh, just again to recap, verse 16, 17, and 18. Like read with me real quick. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Or of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And what... James ends this first section with and, and, and wants us to understand is that no matter what trial, no matter where you're at in life, if your perspective can like switch a little bit, can change a little bit to see God's hand in that trial, to see God's hand in whatever circumstance you find yourself in life, you're going to realize that those, those, even those trials are these good gifts. Even those hard times, even those circumstances that you're so frustrated with and they're out of your control, the fact is God's hand's in those. And, and, and in that you can see God's goodness and you see his care and you can see, in a sense, why he's doing things. And really, with, in a kind of a roundabout way, that whole first section and changing your perspective in that way, you'll then see, like, oh, I can have joy through this season. And, you know, Tate made a good point at the end of the service. Like, like you're not going to walk around with this big old smile saying, like, I'm so joyous in this trial. But if you understand that God's hand is in it, you can find joy in those circumstances. You can find joy even in the hardest of things. So James ends with that, and he picks up in verse 19. So let me pray real quick, and we'll read that, that section. Father, we come before you. Thank you for your word. God, right now I just commit, um, as I'm just tired and kind of, kind of scattered, Lord, I commit my, my throat and my voice to you, my eyes and my mind, God, asking that you would speak. Lord, just kind of laying myself at an altar, asking that your word would speak volumes through, and volumes past what I can do as a man. And so, God, just give you this time. I ask and pray that your spirit would move through my little brothers and sisters' hearts and minds right now. In your name, amen. So let's read just these nine verses, verse 19 down to the end of chapter 1, and then we'll go back and kind of see what God has for us. Follow along with me, guys. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not no hearer of the I'm sorry, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doings. Verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious is worthless. 
religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained in the world. All right, guys. As we go through this tonight, I hope you brought your own Bible. I want to keep encouraging you guys to bring your Bible as we go through the book of James. I mean, it's, it's awesome to go through an entire study. You know, if you, if you were here and you went through most of the book of Romans with us, you know, before summer, and then here we are going through the entire book of James. I just encourage you guys to bring your own Bible. Highlight those things that matter to you. Underline those things in your Bible. Write down little notes next to it where, where God speaks to you. And that's like, it's going to help you grow and mature through the reading of the word. So verse 19 and 20, James starts out this section, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brethren, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. As James continues in this thought of of trials and then understanding God's hand in it, he then moves to this practical sense of now how to walk and talk, how to live as a Christian. Now, all the many habits, all the many, many bad traits that we have as humans, James could have numbered a million of them, right? And in our small group, we talked about that. Like how, how many traits could, could James have laid out that are just bad habits for humans? Tons of them, right? I'm sure we could all name different ones. But for some reason, he lays out this, this be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then contrasts it with this, for the, right, for the anger of man does not produce this righteousness of God. And this really is for anybody. I mean, you think about it, this is like a proverb where if you were to read the book of Proverbs, you could see that this is just daily wisdom for us. Right? This is just daily wisdom for humans. I mean, for us as a species. I mean, if we, if every human took this to heart and we actually applied this to our life, like it would be a better place, wouldn't it? Like we'd actually be able to have more civilized conversations and not get into fights. I heard there was a pretty wicked fight in one of the bands on the way back from Santa Cruz. And I, I'm sure if one of you guys were, were slow to speak and slow to, and quick to listen, right? And slow to anger, it would have been more civilized, right? So anyway, anyway, I'm not saying names. Whoa, Sophia. Whoa, I didn't say a name. Wow. Wow, Sophia. Yeah, it could have been anybody. I was... I was wow. We need a. I, we'll talk after Sophia. We'll talk after. <laughs> the fact is that this is for all of us. Okay, this is, and this is what James lays out for us. But it's even more so as Christians, rather than just trying to walk morally, rather than just to try to walk in some type of copacetic way together in humans, James is calling us to less or more than this, just like moral code, but to this place of selflessness. This place of selflessness, of putting others before us. Because if you look at these, right? If you look at these, the quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. This is basically calling us to a place of putting others before us. If someone, if if I care about what you say, if I want to validate what you have to say, I'm not going to speak out and interrupt you. I'm not going to stop you from saying what's on your heart and mind and what you're feeling. I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to be long to listen. I'm going to be long suffering in that. Even if I don't agree with you. And, it's not, I'm not, and in the end of that, I'm going to be unoffendable. I'm not going to let what you say, like in a sense, cause me to, to react and be reactionary. But I'm going to be, be proactive. I'm going to listen. I'm going to process. I'm going to put you and your needs and your validation before mine. So James here is calling us out of a place of just mo- a moral code and just being nicey-nice to each other and bringing us to a place of, of really being selfless, of lifting others before us. Because the fact is that in this, like, there has to be love, right? There has to be this understanding for each other. Those who are acting in love will be, will be slow to burst out in anger or defending themselves or justifying an action. But to be slow to anger, we first must listen and speak less. 
right? If, I, if, if, if I'm concerned about my point, I'm super, if I'm concerned about my justification and what, what, what I think is right and what I have to say, then really I'm, I'm not going to care as much about what you have to say. I'm not going to care as much about your feelings and your emotions. But see, we're called to something more. See, we also see this contrast of man's anger and the sin nature of God and how, how in man's, I'm sorry, the sin nature of man and how in man's anger, it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And so in kind of a logic way of looking at this, James is calling us to, to think of others before ourselves because the contrast of that, of putting myself first, I'm not now producing this righteousness. I'm not producing this right relationship with God, which as Christians, we have. We understand that, that we are saved by grace alone, we are, we are made righteous by Jesus Christ's work on the cross alone. And so I am in a right relationship with God. I am now righteous before my God. So my life has to personify that. See, again, what James is doing is bringing us to this place of faith without works. And we are showing, we are producing God's righteousness. We are producing a, a Christian work by just not talking. Isn't that pretty cool? Like, I mean, we think about these practical ways to try to be like Christians like, well, can I, can I work at the foster care system this week? Can I be nicer to my sibling? Can I, can I, can I you know, smile more? Can I put that bumper sticker on my car? Can I listen to Christian music all the time? I won't watch that rated R movie. Like we lay out these legalistic things and say, well, if I do A, B, and C, I'm more like Jesus. What James is basically saying here, no, just talk less. One of the problems we talked about in our small group is, is even a fool is, for, is considered wise when he doesn't open his mouth. You know, it's just the idea of like, just maybe talk less to be more like Jesus. I like it. It's simple. It's practical. In our nature, it is impossible to produce the fruits of the Spirit, guys. Let let alone a relationship with God. See, in our own nature, I want to be selfish. In my own nature, I want to justify myself. In my own nature, I want what I think is right. And I'm going to hammer that. And I'm going to talk louder than you. And I'm going to yell louder than you. And I'm going to do whatever I need to to make sure that my, my opinion and what I believe needs to be first. Needs to be right. But see, that's my nature, and that will not produce the fruits of the Spirit. That will not produce this righteousness of God. And so as James opens up this door, opens up this box, and shows us this, this, this thought and this theology, he moves on to verse 21 by saying, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. So James says, therefore, there, in verse 21, whenever you see a, a therefore, what should you ask in Scripture? What is it there for, right? So good. It's so simple, right? Whenever you see a therefore in the scripture, ask, like, what is it there for? And basically what James is saying from verse 19 and 20, therefore, right? Basically the logical question is, or the logical result is, you want to produce the righteousness of God. You want to be more like Jesus. Therefore, put away these things, right? Because the sin of man does not produce that righteousness of God. Therefore, Put away these things. Now, I find it interesting. This term, put away all, right? He says that in verse, verse 21, put away all or put away. Right? This, this is actually a, a phrase that we find multiple times in the New Testament. If you were to go on, on a, a Bible uh, like software and type in put away or put away all, you would find it, just, it pops up hundreds of times. And it's this, this kind of Jewish phrase that James writes out. And, and we also find another place in the New Testament. Now, listen to this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So again, putting away the unrighteousness of man to produce the righteousness of God, which is to be members of one another. This is the body of Christ. We're a family in this. We need to put away that selfish stuff. Ephesians 4.31, Paul also says, 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Peter also says it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and all de- deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. We see this multiple th- times in the New Testament. The writers tell us to put away these things. Put away these things. And James really kind of cultivates it in that phrase because the, the sinful nature of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Right? We need to put these things away. Now, this is hard, this isn't easy, but these are the practical things that James wants us to, to bring to mind, wants to kind of boil to the top, the things that we can start working on as Christians. We see this, you guys, and this is, this is the example Jesus gave us, to put away. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. See, Jesus gave us the greatest example of what it meant to be a Christian by putting away sin even within himself. By putting away all those things we read in those multiple verses, malice, wrath, slander, like just basically like being nasty to one another. Jesus put that away by dying on that cross, by sacrificing himself for sin. And in a roundabout way, what James is convicting us of and urging us to is like, listen, your Savior put away that sin. He died for that sin. He died for that sinful nature that doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So this should not be a part of who you are. This should not be a part of how you walk and talk and live in a practical way to be like Jesus. He also says in verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness. So logically we go, okay, to put away these things, how do I do this? How do I put away these these sinful natures that plague me each and every day? I, the thoughts that enter my head, the anger I have towards my parents, the just complete like disgust I had toward my sibling, or maybe that ter- certain race or type of people that just irk me the wrong way. Like, how do I put those things away, Josh? How do I look more like Jesus? And James says, by receiving with meekness the implanted word. Now, Jesus, he, he was the embodiment of meekness. And he wasn't this doormat. He wasn't this beaten dog that sat in the corner and like kind of shied away every time you walk near it. No, meekness is literally, it's, it's strength concealed. It's strength conserved. It's basically the idea of taking this massive, mighty, wild stallion and putting a bridle in his mouth and being able to control this amazing beast with just a, a metal bridle within its mouth. I mean, really, it could buck you off and kill you, but it chooses to submit under, under the rule of just having this, like, this, this bridle within its mouth. It's this strength concealed. This animal could destroy the rider, but chooses to submit under it. And Jesus was the embodiment of this. And in that same meekness of, of understanding like who we are in Christ, we receive this implanted word of God. We, see, we receive and we understand and we kind of change our perspective to understand like how blessed we are for what we have. James wants us to remember how blessed we are to have been given the word of God. The word of God. And, and see, we sit here today and we have the Bible. We have every bit of theology, we have every bit of, 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 of software, we have every bit of, of literature where we could study every word in the Bible. A guy named David Guzik, he taught a couple weeks ago while Nate was on sabbatical. Like the dude has put the entire word of God for free online mm-hmm. and, and literally like every verse, every word within it, it's called the enduring word, is, is broken down for you. 
And he did it. In su- he does it in such a practical way. I steal his stuff all the time, guys. Like he has done so much work to 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 just dissect the word of God and and to give it to us in a practical way. We have this word of God. The fact of all the fact uh, of all we have received from God um, should humble us. Like what we have received from the word should humble us. It should break us. It should urge us to walk in this meekness. See, we don't only have the revealed word of God, which is the Bible. Right? We don't only have the natural word of God, which is nature, right? The natural revealed word of God, where we look at nature and we can see that there's a creator. We can look at the heavens. We can look at everything that, that, cre- that holds our reality together. And we see God in that. But we also have the Holy Spirit within us, guys. We also have the, the, help, the helper, the third part of the Trinity that has come down to live with inside of us, that convicts us and moves us and helps us to walk like Jesus each and every day. That you are not just on your own. You're not just doing this in your own strength and your own power. But you are walking within this with the Spirit of God inside of you. And, and you are abiding within it. And it is helping you walk and be like Jesus each day. It's literally this, this, this helper is what it's called. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory and glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see in the, in the Gospel of John that, that the Word was with God. Like the Word is depicted as Jesus, and then that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have the, the fact that God became human and, and dwelt as a human. John 14, 26 then says, But the Helper, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you the remembrance of all that I have said to you. You see, what James wants us to understand is if you want to walk like this Christian, if you want to put away, again, that term, put away the, the nature of man, the sinful nature of man, and receive and be a part and produce that righteousness of God, and you can ask that question, well, God, how do I do that? And that's okay to ask that question. God, how do I do this? Like, it seems so unreachable. How do I do this? And James lays it out, receive with meekness the implanted word of God. Right? Walk in meekness, walk in humility, understand and look, like, look logically at what God has truly given us. He's given us the word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. So many times, you guys, I, count, I counsel people. And so many times they're coming with, with me, with, to me with these problems and these issues and these struggles. And, and I look at them and I say, when was the last time you opened the Bible? When was the last time you prayed? When was the last time you just thanked God for, for what you have? Where's the thankfulness? Where's just the perspective that God has you? And so many times, you guys, they haven't been reading the word. They haven't been praying. And the thought of God is rarely on their lips, let alone on their minds or hearts. It's just this, it's like, and I urge them, well, get back to that. Won't we just start with that? Let's just thank God. Let's just spend some time in prayer and just thank God for a couple things. And you'd be surprised how, how hard they struggle with just thanking God for just a couple things in their life. Because they're so set on that, that, that wickedness and that sin nature and the, the struggles of their life. And they're not receiving with meekness any plan of word like James is calling us to here. I mean, Jesus, again, gave us this example in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Even in the Servant of the Mountain, in Matthew 5, Jesus urges us to walk in this meekness. Because in that meekness, you're, you're going to walk in a way where, where this world's not going to affect you. Right? This world's not going to hurt you. This world's not going to, in a sense, be able to have victory over you. There will be trials. There'll be hard times. We talked about that last week. But in that meekness of receiving the word of God, of walking in the spirit, this world will not have victory over you. Again, James is continuing to urge us in this practical way 
of looking at just the word of God, looking at the, this Holy Spirit that lives within us, and really looking at just how do we walk as these Christians. Continuing in this thought, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intensely at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what he does. So just as Jesus finished, finished the Sermon on the Mount with, with Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 26. Do you guys remember that? Right? Jesus says basically, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then verse 26, he says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. In the same way that Jesus in Matthew, Matthew chapter 7 kind of contrasts rock and sand, its foundations to wisdom and foolishness. James is giving us a very similar but a different analogy. Okay? And it's, it's almost this, this foolishness, right? It's, it's almost kind of hilarious. Right? I asked the question in our small group, uh, have any, any of you forgotten what you look like? And a couple of wise guys said, oh, yeah, I have. I don't buy it. Right? I don't think you're going to forget what you look like. And, and probably in, in different ways, we all spend different time looking in the mirror, some of us more than others. right? Spend time looking in the mirror, studying like what's going on. Makeup, hair, right? Doing whatever they do, right? I think Santi, what, you spend two and a half hours on your hair every day? Three. three hours, yeah. <laughs> it's got to contain that, that fro, man. Um, but see, the thing is, like, like, you know what you look like. You know what you look like. And James is ask, asking this rhetorical question of, and after you look away from that mirror, are you going to forget what you look like? No, you're not. You're going to remember that you are who you are. Right? Sam's going to remember he's Sam. Of course he is. He's a stud. Right? He's going to remember that. Right? You're going to remember who you are. You're going to remember what you look like. You're not going to then look back and go, whoa, who are you? Like, it's not going to happen. You're going to remember who you look like. So James, in a way, is asking this question. Right? Would you forget? Well, no. The answer is no. So in the same way, why would you then be a hearer of God's word? Why would you sit through a study? Why would you spend time hearing it and being convicted by the Spirit, but then doing nothing about it? Right. Would you do that? And it should be that same rhetorical, well, no, I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to do something about it. So James here wants us to understand that, that this, is, this is, should be something that's so practical and so foundational in your faith, in your life, you guys. This being a hearer and a doer, not just a hearer. It's kind of the same way. You're not going to forget what you look like by looking in the mirror. Now, this goes so much deeper than just looking in the mirror and, and doing your hair or doing your makeup, or brushing your teeth, or popping a zit, and then forgetting what you look like, right? This goes so much deeper than that. What James is really wanting us to understand and get at is that that this is more than just a looking at yourself, but this is an examining of yourself. This is looking into this mirror, which really, if 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 you were to look deeply at this, it's looking into the Word of God and allowing yourself to be examined, and allowing yourself to examine yourself, to be honest with yourself, to look at, at your life, to look at who you are, and examine, like, what is going on? Who am I? What do I believe? Where do I stand with this faith thing? Where do I stand with my identity? What matters to me? What doesn't matter? Where do I put my time, my energy, my passions? Like, who, what makes you, you? And that's what James wants us to understand in this, is, is to look at that, and then to look away, right? That's foolishness. You're always going to know who you are. You're always going to know you are who you are. You're going to know your passions. You're going to know your likes, your dislikes. When you guys are teenagers, you guys are so opinionated, it's not even funny. 
right? You're going to know what you believe right now. And there's questions. It's okay. But see, the idea here is it's this intense look at yourself. And so in that same way that you know who you are, in the same way that you're going to look into that mirror and you're going to say, okay, like this is who I am. James is saying, then why aren't you doing that with the word? Why aren't you looking at the word of God and not just being a hearer, but also a doer in these things? We have to be more than this. We have to be more than just a hearer, you guys. In the same way, you're more than just a reflection in the mirror. You're so much more than just that image. Right? I mean, you want me to get real theological and biblical and all pastorally here? Like you are worth so much more to God than just your image. You're worth so much more to your creator than just that reflection in that mirror. Like you are worth everything to him. You are so much deeper and so much greater and so much more grand than any other creature or creation on this planet. You're so much more than that. And you're so much more than just that reflection that, that shines back at you. And in that same way, we need to look deeper into the word of God. Spurgeon says it this way. I fear we have many such in all congregations, admiring hearers, affectionate hearers, attached hearers, but all the while an unblessed hearers because they are not doers of the word. So many people hear the word of God. So many people just kind of graze over it. They hear a good message. But see, we need to look intensely at this. He's, he also says this. He says, think about this, guys. A man who looks intensely, right, intensely at his natural face in a mirror. This is not just a mirror of, of a, or a selfie, right? This isn't just like that quick glance, a, a cool looking selfie. I'm guilty of it. I like selfies. Like this is real. This is honest. This is deep. This is being perspective, like a deep perspective on yourself. And see, the beautiful thing about being a Christian, the beautiful thing about being in a, in a group like this, the beautiful thing about being in a church that teaches the word of God is this right here, this Bible, you guys, the Holy Spirit with living in, in you. It is a Bible. Or, I'm sorry. It, oh, of course, it's a Bible. It is. <laughs> it is a mirror. It is a mirror that should reveal like everything about you. And, and that's what you should base your reflection on. As you read the word of God, as you, as you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you and move within you and teach you God's character, that should be what you base your identity on. Not that just reflection, not that selfie you took, you know, that, that, that the, the best selfie you like on Instagram, whatever it is, or that best picture of you. We all like that, you know, whenever you see a picture, you always go to yourself, right? Like, where am I in that? Like, and you want to see what you look like. The word of God should be so much deeper, so much more than, than just that reflection in that mirror. And that this is what we should base ourselves on. Because the thing is that this life is messy. This life is hard. There's going to be days when you look in that mirror, you don't like what you see. There's going to be times that you look within yourself and you're not going to like what you see. And you're going to be disappointed in yourself. You're going to feel guilt. You're going to walk in shame. But see, if I'm just looking in that mirror, if I'm in my, in my sinful man, just looking in that mirror and looking at who Josh is, I'm not going to like that identity. I'm not going to like that man that I see. But see, if I look to the word of God and I realize who I am to my father, if I look to and realize who I am to my creator and, and how he uses me and how he, he, he pours into me and, and allows me to be a part of his kingdom mindset and his kingdom here on earth, like, it's so much more than just what I see in that mirror. And James wants us to understand this, that this is so much deeper. The word of the Lord is a revealer of secrets. It shows a man his life, his thoughts, his heart, his inmost self. I'm going to say that again. The word of God, the word of the Lord is a revealer of secrets. It shows a man his life, his thoughts, his heart, 
his inmost self. Yes, this is why even as a teacher, I, I, I spend so much time just going verse by verse of the Word of God. Because this is going to reveal in you, without me having to say anything, without, without one of the leaders having to convict you, this is going to show you the things you need to change within your life. These are, this is going to direct you. This is going to keep you on the path that keeps you within God's will. And you guys are teenagers now, but there's going to come a time soon when you're looking at what college should I go to? What career should I step into? This relationship, I'm really attracted to this young man or young woman. Like, do I pursue this, God? I see the word of God is going to reveal those innermost, like, well, why do I want to pursue this person? Why do I want this relationship? Why do I want to go to that school? And the word of God will reveal those things. It'll, it'll spur up, in a sense, the motives that we all can keep secret at times. I mean, you guys, we all have ambitions, right? Every one of us can have a motive that's impure. Every one of us can have a motive that, that doesn't honor God. I'll tell you what, if you spend some time in prayer and you spend some time in the word of God and you ask God, like, God, is this right? Is this what you want from me? He'll show you. He'll reveal to you if that ambition is right or wrong or pure or in the wrong spot or needs to be adjusted a little bit. Like, he'll show you. He will, he will reveal it to you. And this is what James wants us to understand. That it's so much more than just looking in that reflection. It's so much more just seeing the, the physical of what you are, but understanding that in the word of God, you're going to understand who you truly are to your creator. You're going to understand you're so much more than what this world is telling you you are. As James continues on in verse 26, he says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, the person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So James finishes this section by laying out verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worth, worthless. All right, so there's, again, many different things James could have laid out here, right? If anyone thinks his heart is pure, if anyone thinks his actions are pure, if anyone thinks his motives are always pure, like his religion is useless. But James wants to show us the practicalness of one little thing within our bodies, one little thing within our daily, thing, our daily lives that we use all the time, right? The tongue, this little muscle, right? That, that, that moves all the time, that is constantly, like, being used by us to speak and to talk about who we are, talk about our ideas and our thoughts and our passions. And we want to share those things. We want the world to know. We want to process verbally. And we want just like everything to be out there. Right? We just, we talk. You know, our, our phones are full of podcasts and teachings and, and we can just listen to people talk all day long about everything. Right? I could talk forever. <laughs> I'm a total extrovert and God made me a pastor. I literally could talk for hours. And yet this little thing Right, within my mouth, that's, that's behind these, like, these teeth. The fact is, it can do so much good, or it can do so much damage. James is going to talk about this more later, but what I want you to understand right here and right now is that something so small within who you are is so hard to control sometimes. And what James wants us to understand is that this term religion, which is, is many times in the New Testament is used in a negative term, right, this word religion, we see in the book of Acts, we see it in Colossians. It's not in a positive sense. But James is saying that, that the type of religion that we so often go to, a works-based religion, a, a, an outward appearance religion, can be affected so much by that tongue, guys. Like literally, I've seen churches rise and fall by the gift of someone's gap. <laughs> I've seen people completely bury themselves or, or raise themselves up by, by the words they say. I've seen wise men 
look like complete fools because of something they say. That tongue is, is something so small, but yet can impact so much. What James wants us here to understand is like, we can look so religious. We can do all kinds of things, right? We can, we can, we can give money. We can look really good. We can come to church. We can say the right things. How about the Christianese, right? We can know the right worship songs. We can, we can have the right hand, whether it's here or here, you know, we have the right, right hand motions during worship, right? We can look all the parts. But see, if you can't bridle, you can't control just the littlest thing in your body, then something's off. That's what James wants us to understand here. This isn't like, I'm not like pointing the finger at you guys in a sense like, like, like just, you know, don't talk or, or stop sinning with your tongue. The idea here is not just the tongue, but it really could be any part of what you are. It could be any part of your body. Where James is saying you can have all this looking good, but if there's this one little thing within you that, that can trample and destroy so much, like, and you're not controlling that thing. Like there's something wrong in that. James then in verse 27 goes on to define what pure religion is. And see, it goes from this selfless thing, this or a selfish thing, this tongue that can, can be so much about Josh, to now this selfless thing, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, as we read that in verse 27, we see, okay, to serve widows, to serve orphans, those are like the lowest, the down and out, especially in the first century, a widow or an orphan would literally be the lowest class like under a slave. So James is laying that out in a very practical way. If you're this Christian living in the first century, you should be reaching out to the orphans and the widows. This should be a huge part of what you do within your week. This should be something of, of how, who you serve and how you serve it should be part of who you are. Right? Basically, boiling that down to charity. Charity should be a foundation of who you are. Charity should be a foundation of, of, of how you define yourself. Right? And this isn't a, a, a legalistic thing, like do A, B, and C, right? Like help this many orphans, go to Mexico this many times, go to this many orphanages, right? Connect to the, the widows group here at church and clean out six gutters. And, and you know, like, like it's, not a, it's not a legalistic thing. But within your heart, are you walking daily within this charity? We talked in our small group about, like, how can we be this, you know? And one of the guys brought up, well, you see a car broken down on the side of the road. Pull over and help them change the tire, right? Or you see someone drop a plate at a restaurant. Are you, up, are you stepping up to help them clean it up? Or you see a lady walking into the grocery store, and she's got hands full of groceries and six screaming kids. Like, are you helping that, that lady, right? Like, those are little things of charity. Those are just things, like, in your daily life, right? I brought up the idea of, of, of tipping, right? When you, when you go and get that... that, that that coffee from that barista. Are you asking her or him, hey, how was your day? How are you doing? Right? Like, what's going on in your life? Before you go, hey, I'll have a double latte, you know, extra foam, no whip, something, right? Like, are you, are you going straight to the coffee? Are you forgetting that there's a person in front of you? And then after that, when you get that change back and there's a buck 25 in your hand, are you going, okay, I could use that later? Or are you putting that in the tip jar because that person's working? And they, 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 they rely on that tip. You're showing that charity because later on you're going to be sitting there with your Bible with a friend or, or you're going to be sitting there counseling people or you're studying the Word of God and they're going to know that's a Christian. That's a pastor. Right? Am I being an example of that charity no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing? Is my religion pure? And then he says, and also to keep one unspotted from the world. To keep one unspotted from the world. This boils down again to purity. As James said, charity and then now also purity. And these are some of the two great garments that Christians should wear. Charity and purity. 
Now, again, this isn't a legalistic thing. Sometimes James can sound kind of legalistic, where if I don't listen to, to explicit music, I don't go to rated R movies, I don't do this, I don't do that, then I'm walking in purity. Right? If I don't think about this person that way, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, then I'm walking in purity. If I do do this, I do do that, then I am, I'm not walking in purity. Like, see what I'm saying, you guys? Like, like, so many times, like James can kind of come off like that, but I want, what I want you to understand is that this, this, in a sense, this garment that we should wear as Christians should look different from the world. It should. And you guys, I'm, I'm not going to be the first one to, to, to knock on you because you listen to an explicit song. Right? Like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be the first one to, to shame you because you went to a rated R movie. All right? I'm not going to. Because the idea is it's your conviction. That's between you and God. Is that something that, can, that, can, that is causing you to stumble? And that, is that something that's causing you to, to, to edify God and to glorify Him and draw you closer to Him? Or is that something that, that is calling you away from Him? And that's between you and Him. Like, I'll, I'll counsel you. You come to me and say, like, hey, I, I really like this new Eminem album. Is that something I should listen to, Josh? First thing I'm going to say is, like, what's your heart behind it? Well, first thing I'll probably say is, what do your parents think? <laughs> Second thing will be, well, where is your heart? Like, where's your heart in that? Is this drawing you closer to God or drawing you further away from him? And I'm not bashing on Eminem. I like some of this stuff too. But the idea here is, is, is where is your heart in this? Because charity and purity should literally be like a garment that we wear each day. It should be something. They're singing happy birthday to Scout right now. <laughs> the idea should be... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, most of us. The idea here, the idea is that this should be a garment we wear. This should be something we put on each day. A heart of charity, a heart of purity. This defines our religion. This defines who we are. And it's more than just a religious act, but it's, it's basically boils down to this charity, this purity, this controlling our tongue in a sense of like, are you defined in these ways? If someone mentions your name, are they going to go, oh yeah, that dude, man, he is arrogant, right? He can't shut up, right? Or that girl, don't trust her. Can't say anything to her because she's just going to spread it around. Are you defined by that? Or are you defined by like, you know, I trust that guy. I trust that lady. Like I trust them with, with what I have to say because they're honest and they're real and they're not going to spread the word, right? If I, if I ask you to be somewhere, are you going to be on time? Are you going to be there with a serving heart ready to do it? Or are you going to come late and grumble and complain and I don't want to be here, Josh, right? Like it, it, these things define us. And that's what James wants us to boil down to. It's not about religious acts. It's not about looking like a Christian, but it's about allowing these things in our life to define us and allowing these things to motivate us to be more like Jesus each and every day, guys. And this is what it boils down to. This is what James is getting us at. This is a faith that is real, that is true, that is practical, that is living. And it needs to define us each and every day. Father, I come before you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how real and true it is, God. Thank you for how it does show us who we truly are as we look into it like that mirror defines who we are, Jesus. Thank you for it. In your name, amen. Calvary Monterey's youth ministry meets on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.